feels like I just got to find my person. When there's all that pressure to find the person, like you meet somebody and they check some of those boxes. You're like, this is it, right? She black, she queer, she Christian. Like this is the bestest don't get, right? Mm -hmm. Critical missteps along the way, right? Really not taking time to see like, are we really compatible in certain ways? Some of the things where I think some of those like red flags in the beginning, we just kind of overlook because we're like, you can fix those. You can get over those, right? And we just never did. What's up everybody and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of Black, LGBTQIA plus individuals through an interview-style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA plus individual. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm joined today by a friend of mine, y'all. I got one of my homies. One of the ho- one of the Howard homies, one of the originals is in the building. <laughs> Tasha Mitchell. Tasha, tell the people. This is my homie, y'all, from, uh, we, me and Tasha used to play football together. So gay. I know. So, so gay. So gay. <laughs> Flag okay, football yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. Tasha, I'm yeah. so glad to have you, but introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, what's up, everybody? My name is Tasha Mitchell. Um, I am currently a pastor, psychotherapist, and PhD student out of Chicago. Not originally from Chicago. I live here now. Uh, originally from Southern California, two-time alum of Howard. Went to Vanderbilt with my uh, MDiv, Master of Divinity. So yeah, I'm here. I'm excited to uh, talk about faith, sexuality, spirituality. Let's uh, get into it. Tasha, what's up, yeah. man? it's been a while me and Tosh go back like 12 years when what I think I was a junior 11 when you got on the team 11 yeah 11 years yeah man it's been a while it's been a while man hey some good times yeah good times sometimes down in Texas man New Orleans (laughs) oh man good old days now we out here you a pastor I'm a a mom like what has the world come to I mean, they letting us do all kinds of things. They letting us now, do all right? kinds of things, man. We we out here. We out here. But um, no, nah, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, man. Um, a true, true story of, uh, you know, just evolution in life and just um, a, a great journey that I think um, will, will definitely help a lot of people. So super happy to have you. But as we do on this show, we got to go back to the beginning. Yeah. We got to go all the way back. All the way back. When you when when did you know you like them ladies, man? When 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 you was like, hey man, little shorty <laughs> caught my attention. Yeah, so my story's a little bit different. I think mine was just dormant or late or something. Um, most of my life up until like college, I identified purely as straight, was only attracted to men, as far as I know, uh, as far as I can remember. Uh, but then naturally, you know, you get to Howard. Of course it would happen to Howard. There's no better place to go. <laughs> right? There's no better place to go to and find attractive, like, Black women and be like, oh, yes, wait a minute. Hold on now. This has been different than my experience in California, right? Um, so it really didn't happen. Like, my first crush happened when I was about 18. No, I was 18, freshman year in college at Howard. And I distinctly remember this incident. I was sitting in the health center, student health center. You know how you used to go in and have to like get all of our shots and everything taken care of. And I was sitting next to this woman and instantly, like I was super attracted to her. And at the time, you know, I'm a good Christian girl. I had just come out of like my high school youth group. I was dating a guy from my high school youth group at the time. We were like high school sweethearts. But I'm sitting there and I just like see her. And I was like, I don't know what it is about this woman, but I am like insanely attracted to her. Um... Yeah, so that's, like, where it kind of started for me, like, yeah, 18 years old, and I didn't know what to do with that, so, like, the logical thing, you know, being the good Christian girl that I was, I was like, well, I got to tell my boyfriend, obviously. Uh, that's <laughs> wild. Do do, right? <laughs> that's wild. Right, so I was like, well, I'm gonna tell him, so I tell him. You was trying to start a poly relationship, you was like, hey, man, what you, what you think, what you, you think about that? You know what to do, saying? right? Add a little shorty to the, to the mix, what's up? Nah, he's scary, he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't have gone for that good little white boy. Um... <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I told him and he was like, oh, you know, these things just kind of happen in college. And I was like, well, are they happening to you? And he's right. like, no, like, you got no. Something. <laughs> you got something you want to share. <laughs> right. He was like, yeah, no, I can't relate. And so I just kind of told some friends and just kind of fell in this space of like, 
people, I don't know, I just wasn't really getting the responses that I felt like I wanted to get. And so I just kind of defaulted back into that space, that evangelical space of like, this is just spiritual warfare. I just need to acknowledge it, spiritual warfare, and I'm gonna just move on. And so I was able to do that, you know, for a couple of years. Um, didn't really have a crush on anyone for a couple of years. Um, until maybe like five or six years later and then it started happening again right so I was able to like ignore it I had other boyfriends I was doing my thing at Howard and then I had a crush on my coworker, and I was like oh damn we gonna have a problem here um, and yeah so it just started happening more and more and that's when I started realizing like that's kind of when it all burst up for me like there's something else here um and so again you know being a good christian girl i was in high level of leadership at my church i told my pastor because you know i'd be confessing stuff you, like, be confessing. you, you gotta confess you gotta confess right innocently yeah i'm just like i'm out here liking these women i don't know what's going on and i remember telling my pastor that and i told her i'm scared that if i have an experience with a woman i'm gonna realize i don't like men and she asked me a question. She said, well, what scares you about that? And that caught me off guard. I was like, what you mean? What scares me about that? Right, everything. That up the whole, everything, right? Um, yeah, so that's kind of like the backstory a little bit. Um, the woman that I had a crush on, so for six years, had a crush on her. She was actually the first woman that I ever was with six years later. So I don't know if everybody's story is like that. But yeah, the, the first crush I had was the first woman that I was with. So we're still friends, though. So. That's amazing. Were yeah, y'all so did y'all did y'all officially did y'all date or was it just an experience? You know, it was like the DC kind of like we, you know, here dating, let's not really just, together. Uh, you know. Yeah. You Get know, your happy hour, you know. Yeah. Vibe, it was actually, what's up? Right. It was funny because one night she came over to the house. I was living in a house with other Christian women at the time. We had this rule that no man could spend the night. So I was like, yeah. I don't see the problem. Great area gray areas right so she spent the night I think my roommate started to pick up on it after that because mm -hmm. they saw her one of them said something the next morning they were like I saw your friend leave early this morning I was mm -hmm. like oh yeah so. <laughs> Tasha <laughs> you, you, you misread the you misread the rule the rule the, you got to expand the rule for yourself listen I was going by the letter of the law not the clearly of it. clearly it was black and white for you like no men okay she's not a man all right cool we're right. good I said that wasn't the point. No, it wasn't the point, Tosh. <laughs> they should have clarified then. But That's yeah. That's wild. Was, okay. Yeah. So then, so then it just um, kind of developed from there. Yeah. yeah. So then after that, you had your first experience. Was your um the the person that you had, your coworker that you had the crush on, was this after you had your experience with the first girl, or was this after that? um that was before that's so that's what okay. started triggering me having conversations okay. about it I started having conversations with some of my friends who I knew were queer um and one of them was just like well you're not gonna know until you sleep with a woman so you might as well just sleep with somebody and find yeah. out like you know f around and find out I don't know if I can cuss on the podcast you keep my cuss words <laughs> you're a pastor though so I mean you know right <laughs> I, I'm a pastor but I curse a little bit I curse a little bit um, <laughs> yeah so it was just kind of like you know I was caught in this space of like well I kind of want to so I started doing that like go out Saturday night in DC go to the the gay clubs and then go to church Sunday morning mm -hmm. so I'm trying to you know keep my stuff in check but the the woman at work was um before I actually started exploring that's what kind of like prompted it and so how it actually came like came to a head one night I was chilling at home and I was having a bad day and the woman who I was talking about the first woman that I had a crush on she had texted we were texting back and forth and she was like you know why don't you meet me at the monuments we'll just like hang out and talk super gay shit right <laughs> like super gay like I'm, they smooth they go for the, like, I'm about yeah, to smash it's, it's given I'm about to smash <laughs> it's, that's what it's given right um they gave too so that's fine <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey <laughs> Ah, uh, oh god good times already my church when y'all watch this podcast they know they know they're gonna love you for this they know me they've heard my story so they good mm -hmm. um but yeah we met up at the monuments and so we were talking and during the conversation i just told her i was like you know i've had a crush on you for like six years and she was like had no idea and so she was like well don't we link up tomorrow so we linked up the next day and uh one thing led my, to another yeah that was the entry into the, on the quick yeah. black show right talking about she, tasha right the funny thing though was afterwards she was like are you sure that was your first time <laughs> I was like, hey. 
Uh-oh. Put it on him, Tosh. Put it on him, Tosh. Listen, came a little more natural than I thought. I ain't mad at it. This is crazy because, yeah. I mean, what? okay, so when I, so I met you, you were grad school? Yeah, grad school. It was around so that same was, time? Yeah. It was about a year. I met you about a year later. So I was out. Okay, by that so time. you was already, yeah, out, I was out. about to say because, <laughs> Natasha, I know, okay? Wasn't going through no spiritual warfare. No, okay? no, no, no. There was no spiritual that. warfare. <laughs> <laughs> not at the time. No, no, no. I had time. a year of that thing. Yeah. Uh, but the year before that, surprisingly, I had actually done an ex-gay ministry. Because mm-hmm. that was what was suggested by my church. So I had gone through that. And it was through that process where I was like, yeah, I'm not going to struggle. Like, I just came to this conclusion that, like, this is who I was. Um, and that's who, you know, God was fine with me the way that I was, oddly, through that program. But yeah, so I went through that program. And then by the time you had met me, I was, I was like, this who I am. <laughs> yeah, I was in the what, streets a little bit. Describe what what um what kind of program was that? Like what what was that? Because I know there's like um there I had a guy on here a couple couple of months ago. Kevin he had went to uh what what do you call it? like um pray to gay away school? Yeah, Just like when you're younger and you know or or you can be older too. But you know the twelve step kind of program for you mm-hmm. know if you don't want to be gay. Talk about the the program that you went to, through in particular. Yeah, so when I came out to my pastor, they were like, oh, there's this program whenever somebody comes out. Um, in the evangelical world, they call it having a same-sex attraction or being same-sex attracted, right? That's the language. Um, and there's lots of problems with that. But whenever somebody reveals that they have a same-sex attraction, this is kind of like the program that they send it to. It's an offshoot of something called Exodus International. So Exodus International was like running for like three decades, I think, started in the 70s for people who had a same-sex attraction, didn't want to, wanted to like break free from homosexuality, so to speak. Um, the program that I did was an offshoot of that. So somebody from that program created another program. And so it was operating in the DC area. And it was like a year long program. What up? It's your host, Ashley. And I'm interrupting this podcast to ask, are you following us? Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms, Queerly Black. I'm going to let y'all get back to the show. Peace. The way they got around it being controversial was like they said it was for people who struggle with sexual and relational brokenness. Mm, so kind of so all of these Yeah, put some more stuff in there. Okay. Yeah, so which kind of, it was super problematic, right? Because I'm sitting here and I'm listening to people who have like cheated on their spouse and I'm like, damn, you're going to equate my attraction. Right, to, to this. Yeah, and so it really messed with me. During that program, though, I will be honest, like that was one of the darkest moments of my life. Like I was having really bad suicidal ideations. I was super depressed. I was just struggling, like the literature was written really bad, just always talking about like how we were perverted and just like the language that it was using. And I'm doing this for a whole year, right? I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm wrestling spiritually. I'm wrestling at the church. Um, Yeah, like it just got really, really dark there for a minute. And so I remember sitting in my room one day and I'll remember this clear as day too. Um, I was sitting there praying and I just felt this like peace. And I just heard God say, no matter where you go, no matter what you decide to do, how you live your life, like, I'm always going to be here with you. Like, your decisions, my relationship with you is not contingent upon your decisions. They're, like, how you live your life. Like, it's a constant, right? And that just gave me this peace. And I think that's what started the process of me, like, really internalizing my identity, becoming comfortable with it, uh, feeling confident in who I was um, as a queer person. Yeah. So like God, really like the voice of God saved me in many ways, apart from the program, apart from the church, apart from these ways that I had constructed faith over my life. Um, it was really just the voice of God that was like, I don't care what all of this is saying. This is who you are. This is who I am. And we're going to be in a relationship with each other. So, yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. And so then coming out of that program, um, you, are you, is the objective for you to come to some sort of decision on your own about how you move forward? Or is there an agenda of like, okay, once you're done with this, you're going to feel X. Like if you're, let's say, for example, cause it seems like they had, they had different things in there. So if you cheated on your wife or your husband, you're supposed to come out of this and never do it again. And if you are gay, you come out of this and you never have those feelings again, or you never have these kind of thoughts or you get tools to kind of, work through this type of emotion is that essentially the goal 
Yeah, so when we get, went into the program, they were very clear at the beginning, like this program is not necessarily to like, they didn't want to give it, give the expectation that we were going to like be changed in some miraculous way, right? I think it was more so like trying to give us the tools to see ourselves in a very evangelical way of looking at humanity. Like this is what God has for you. This mm -hmm. is like the norm. This is what is the best. And trying to really like drill that into people and kind of recognizing for them, for their perspective, like anything contrary to that is outside of the will of God. So you can choose that if you want, but we're going to be really clear. Like, and so it was like kind of restorative. So it was like a light end game, right? Like it was one of those things where like, we're going to try to get you here, but if we don't get you here, it ain't our fault. That's on you. Yeah, we did. We tried our best. Right. Yeah. Yeah. which kind of leaves you in this weird space of like well damn like the work is really up to me and I gotta fix myself somehow um yeah. odd thing though funny thing one of my friends uh who I did the program with um is actually out too she's married got a kid <laughs> so I was like well uh, it Boom. ain't worked for us so we have conversations <laughs> about it. I'm actually going to talk with her next week but it was yeah I was like some people you know it worked I guess on yeah. the surface but for us it was just like it ain't yeah. worked yeah, for sure. No, I, I feel it. I mean, I think, uh, thank you for explaining that because I think that there are people who live in that space, right? Of like indifference and indecision. Like I, I have these feelings, I'm getting guided yeah. by my church because as black people, that is for a lot of us, the foundation of what we go back to because yeah. as we get older, you know, our parents become a little bit of a, not a, not a source for that right? And so it's like you go to these safe spaces. And I think people go into a lot of these different programs or, or you know, books or things with an expectation that it's going to yeah. give them some sort of like shift. And the truth is, you know yourself. Yeah. 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 You know what right. I mean? And you're yeah. looking for this because it's scary, you know, when you're, when you've been taught to be a certain way and you hear you know homophobia in the black community of like different words and you know all these all this slander um about people in the gay community you have internalized homophobia you're like I know who I yeah. am but like I hate myself for it because yeah. I don't want to be like this and so people you know we go through these different programs and steps to try and become something different but the truth is we just have to learn how to love ourselves and learn how yeah. to like um come out with this is who I am and ultimately yeah. just acceptance of who you are and find a different way to articulate how you show mm -hmm. up that's not what we learned from when we were younger you know a lot of times so um so I appreciate that uh description and kind of going into that um so now you are um you're a pastor but I'm before pastor. we before we talk about that um you were also previously married. I was previously married, yeah. So talk about that journey um, going, you know, obviously with the acceptance of your sexuality, then dating mm -hmm. and, you know, moving around. You've also <laughs> been to, you've, you've lived in a lot of places where even I remember when you uh, were living in Portland and we had connected and I was like, Portland? They're gay yeah. people in Portland. And you were like, yeah, actually, like they have a nice little community here. So talk yeah. about obviously being married. Um, and I know that your marriage kind of transcends some of these places. So kind of you can talk about them in, in tandem. Um, and and living in different places where I mean, even people people like me are like, they gay, they got gay people there. And your they experience being, yeah, your experience being married in in these places. Yeah. Um, so my my move to Portland was really based of all of the mess that had happened in DC. You know, when I came out, I was out at the church for two years, <clears throat> finishing my master's program, my first master's program, um, had a bad breakup in DC. And then just decided like, you know, at that time in my life where I was at spiritually, uh, where I was at in my journey, like I just needed to get out of DC. I needed to get away from that church. So I just was like, I'm gonna move to Portland. It popped up in my head one day. I had visited one, I'm gonna go there. So I sold all my stuff, moved to Portland. Um, and just kind of like started carving my own path. It was the first time in my life where I actually felt like I got to do what I wanted to do, right? Like I was going there with like no agenda. And so I really got to like blossom, right? I, there is a huge queer community in Portland. Like Portland is one of the gayest cities I've ever lived in. 
um, really big, big queer population. Um, had a lot of queer friends, um, dated a woman there for, we lived together. First time I had lived with a partner. Um, fun, yeah, huh? we, we ended up breaking up and then fun, what? Huh? I said fun, huh? fun. We had like that typical queer, like Portland life. Like we had this cute little house garden in the back. So we was growing our own food. We had two cats, you know? So it was just like that typical queer mm-hmm. kind of Portland life. Uh, we was living a dream, right? And ultimately found out we weren't super compatible uh, long-term. And so, you know, things didn't work out. Um, and that's when I had reconnected with my um, former, or my ex-wife. We, uh, we both went to Howard too. And so we had actually met in DC, reconnected when I was in Portland. And then that's how I ended up in Nashville. I moved there for her. Um, but I tell people what's interesting is, because people will ask about the, the marriage, in the divorce and what I tell people is I think me us dating actually had a lot more to do with my evangelical way of understanding the world than I think people realize because you know when you're growing up in the kind of this evangelical world dating is to get married right so there's this preoccupation this fixation on marriage and so you just got to find your person right? right and then you get married so you can enjoy all the benefits of marriage and so I was still somewhat in that mentality of like I just got to find my person when there's all that pressure to find the person, like you meet somebody and they check some of those boxes. You're like, this is it, right? She black, she queer, she Christian. Like this is the best it's going to get, right? Mm -hmm. Critical missteps along the way, right? Really not taking time to see like, are we really compatible in certain ways? Some of the things where I think some of those like red flags in the beginning, we just kind of overlook because we're like, you can fix those. You can get over those, right? And we just never did. They became apparent, more apparent longer in our relationship. I wouldn't say we U-hauled, but like kind of semi-U-hauled somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Intermediate. Y'all both U-haul. had your own spot, but you was always at her house. Right. Well, I moved there for her, right? So yeah. it was like we started dating in the spring. I had moved there in the fall and we got engaged in December. So it wasn't that, you know, long of a time. Yeah. And we got married like a year Pretty later. short courtship. Yeah. yeah. Longer. We were engaged longer than we had dated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just kind of made those critical missteps because it was just like, I got to find my person to get married because I still have that evangelical, like you don't just date to date. You don't date to figure yourself out. You don't Mm -hmm. date to figure out what you want. You date to get married. Mm -hmm. So that was my agenda. And so I made some critical missteps. I think Uh, we both did trauma bonded in some ways that both come off of bad breakups, found comfort in each other. Right. When you missing something or lacking something in your relationship and then you start to get it from somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah everything yeah yeah because you you've been missing that for so long right um and you know when when you when you haven't had it but you've had some of the other stuff you're like yeah no that's not quite as important because I had that and I wasn't fulfilled but then you realize like you need that plus plus it's the plus right plus you just got used to what you was missing yeah Um, yeah and so I was like oh I had this I haven't had this connectedness and this intimacy and kind of ran with that. And I'm not, it's not like a fault thing. It's just, you know, we were younger. Um, I think immature to some extent made some mistakes, you know, yeah. I made mistakes, she made mistakes. Um, but I just ultimately got to the place where I realized like this was probably going to make us long-term unhappy. And I don't think, I didn't, I just didn't think like it was repairable at that point. And so, yeah, I made the decision to, to walk away and yeah. I don't regret that decision at all. Um, not from a place of spite, just I really do believe that that was the best decision for us yeah which is also um, hard too because you know some people will be like well you wasn't supposed to get married in the first place so right, that was just right. god correcting that mistake right right Idiots. <laughs> um right um so then i want to go here a little bit so because now you're dating right you're you're out of that and you're dating and so you talk about a few things that i think are super duper critical right is one the level of discernment that you have going into that process of like, okay, I'm not wasting my time. I think going back to just the foundational principles of like what, what your, what your kind of values are rooted in, right. Going into dating is a very uh, specific process, but you and I, we've, you know, we're friends. So we've, we've talked and I know that for you going into dating is like, I'm not wasting my time, right? Like I'm not wasting my time. So where, where did you find, get to a place of like, I'm not going to waste my time. And you took some learnings. One of the things you talk about is like the critical missteps of your marriage. So talk about 
not in any level of detail because I always say marriage is a very personal thing. I don't want to know the details of your marriage, but I want to know going into dating the, those categories of critical, like missteps, what are those things that are super important? And then I'm going to add another complex thing here because you're very educated. Yeah. How do you not form a relationship on a trauma bond? that's a good one that's a good one I'm still learning that right like I've I've even made that mistake since I've gotten divorced to some extent um I will say honestly in all honesty when I first got divorced I was like I want to commit to like being single for a year um so after I got divorced I was in these streets for a year I'm not gonna Mm -hmm. lie like I was out there I had never given myself that space to really Mm -hmm. just be like What's I ain't up? really dated. I ain't really had some frivolous fun. I ain't really just got to like connect with people. And like, I've never given myself that space. I was like serial monogamous. I was in serious relationships back to back. Um, so yeah, I think part of that was crucial though for me because it was like taking that time. One thing I did realize in that time was what I didn't want, right? So you should mm-hmm, take some time mm-hmm. to realize what you don't want, right? Like, I know I don't know all the things that I want, but I know I don't like this and this mm-hmm. and this, right? I spent some time, you know, realizing that. Um, going in and so you know I did that whole thing for a year I've been single for about a year and a half and now I'm kind of moving into the space of like being more open to like the idea of potentially pursuing something serious something maybe monogamous I haven't been very monogamous since I got divorced and that was intentional um but now yeah rethinking some of that right trying to date and not forming trauma bonds and I've been I've had to learn this myself right I'm still learning this how do you do that um, I was listening to somebody, some like dating expert online or something. Um, and they were talking about how like when you first meet somebody, one way to not trauma bond is to not initially go for super serious, intense baggage when you start talking, right? So resist the temptation to sit on that first date and spend six hours all night talking about all the trauma you have been through. And like, that's a good way, right? You don't start off with all of that get to know a person mm-hmm. find out the things that they like like do some things that are like more lighthearted, right don't dive in with a serious like that's not necessarily wasting time like you can get to some of that um but yeah not forming that bond from just like like not talking about your former relationship your former partner right because now we're just coming from a place of like these are all the ways that I've been hurt and you're communicating to your partner like or to the person that you're talking to not partner at the time um like almost like putting that pressure on them, right? Mm-hmm. Like dumping all of this on like, is is this you? Mm-hmm. You know, they might be like, oh, I had the same thing. And literally is this you? now you got, <laughs> right? Like, is that you? Just get up yeah. right now and walk away. Cause we, cause if right. it's you, it's deuces. <laughs> yeah. So uh-huh. I think taking some time at the beginning to get to know a person outside of just their baggage and their trauma and their history um, and their former relationships, like taking time to actually get to know somebody, I think is a much better bet um rather than just sitting here and dumping on each other because right we love to do that especially yeah. women love to do that we love to go for the emotion yeah because you hear it right it's like yeah. oh i hear all the things that that person did i don't want to do it so i'm gonna start doing all yeah. the other stuff yeah that is a trauma bond yeah you are yeah. bonding to their trauma yeah 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 but but then it's like crazy because you know you know i've been out of the streets for forever um you so out of the streets literally yeah, I listen I, I stay out there I'm staying out the way I'm staying out the way uh, I look we good I'm good I'm out right. the streets man look but um but you hear people talk about like uh, uh you know you you dating and like oh you know we we want to get I don't want to waste my time I want to get to the to the serious like you 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 want to get to the serious so quickly but not realizing that this is what happens, right? Is that you, yeah. without really, <clears throat> in, you know, learning a person, right? Like, what's your favorite color? Like, do you like to wake up in the morning? Like, do you wake up early? Do you wake up late? Like, do you, you know, who are you? You know, what is yeah. your real hair color? Like, what, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you wake up, like, are you a me? Like, are you angry? Are you like a nice person? Like, do you like, do you wake, do you exercise right. in the morning? Like, you know, without developing the character, right? then getting to you know some of those inner layers this is what happens right and so then you miss all the rest of that you miss the fact that they're really an angry person in the morning you probably really shouldn't talk to them you know that they they don't like to text or that they don't like to talk on the phone or that they you know uh they let their gas tank get the e before they actually go fill it up that they you know like you miss 
the person. Like you, now yeah. all the things about the person go to the back burner. So then you live with them or you, you start forming this life and you're like, you really annoy the shit out of me. Like right. I didn't realize like how much you fucking annoy <laughs> you me because I did it because I don't know you. Yeah. All I know is your trauma, you know? And so to me, I, you know, I challenge that notion of like, I think it's important to know a person's morals, a person's values. Are you a Christian? Are you, you know, how, how does that, how does that translate into your life? So when I think about serious topics, I want to know those things, you know, are you a family person? Do you have kids? Do you, you know, I don't care about the, the, the baby mother, but do you have children and are you in their life? Because that tells me that you're a responsible person, right? Not about, you and your ex and how bad she is and how she keeps the kids from you. And I don't care about that part, but are you a family person, right? Like how, how do you, um, you know, how do you show up Christmases? Are you by yourself or do you travel to be with your family? You know, th that to me, if we're going to talk about serious things, let me develop your character, but not yeah. talk about the drama that comes with. I don't, I don't want to know about, you know, uh, all the, the mess of your family before I ever know you because now I'm like damn my family's screwed up too like now we're bonding on that but you're a part of the drama of your family I'm not right right <laughs> right you know so um but I you know again I think super critical topic because people are dating right like you know obviously yourself but you know in others and this is how relationships are forming and then you know we're settling down and we're we're you know forming lives we got kids we got all this stuff with people that we don't like like right. we legit don't like you. Like I don't, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, like I, don't, I love you, but I don't like you. Exactly. You know? And I think, um, you know, me and my wife, we were, we had the fortune of being friends first, number one, but then also we, we went through life together. Like we went through mm -hmm. college together. So we saw each other, we know each other. Like, I know you, I know how you wake up. I know how you go to sleep. Yeah. I know all the things. And I chose to say, okay, this is, these are all things that are good for me. You, you yeah. made that same decision. Right. And so I think, um, I just think that's super critical for people to understand like that, that the trauma bonding is real and, um, it's super real. People are doing it. Is. Yeah. 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 You got to know who, who you, who you lay down with. Cause you don't lay down with the, you do lay down with the trauma, but you lay every, you wake up and lay down every day with that person, like who yeah. they are, you know? So, um, good talk. Um, so now you're a pastor. Pastor. How do we arrive here? How do we arrive here? Oh, that's kind of a story. Short, the bridge version. Um, I at my church that I grew up in over the summer when I was 19, in between my freshman and sophomore years in college. And it was through that program, like just interning, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, or this is one of the things that I want to do with my life. I was studying psychology at the time. Um, and I'm now in a doctoral program that kind of brings religion and psychology together. It's called a field of pastoral theology. Um, but yeah, I interned there and just like got to preach and got to help with the youth ministry and was like, this is where I really want to be. Um, and so it was like this long 16 year journey, right? Because it's like one, being a woman is a little complicated when you talk about ministry, mm -hmm. uh, being a black woman. And then, you know, at that time, what would it have been five years later coming into this identity of being queer? So by the time I hit 24 and, you know, came out, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> this ain't finna happen, Captain. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know where, where a black queer woman can just find a full pit, right? Because I've said this before, like, if you're white or black to some extent, a male halfway attractive and charismatic, church will give you the keys to the kingdom, right? 100%. You can be an expert. You can be the senior pastor. Don't matter if you've had training. Like, if you have those qualities, you're good to go, right? Even when I was in seminary, I was, you know, around other people, like black men, who they like, I've been preaching since I was 16. And I'm like, man, I can barely be in like lay leadership in a church being a black queer woman, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that just kind of led me down this path. And I think God has like definitely had me on this path. This path that seemed really winding, um, but purposeful behind the scenes and I didn't see that, right? So I ended up getting a master of education and counseling. So I work now, I'm working towards my licensure as a psychotherapist, um, uh, as an LCPC. And then I ended up coming back, circling back, wanted to go to seminary. So I went to seminary, get theological, tra theological training, um, got an MDiv, which a lot of pastors don't have, right? Mm -hmm. So I got I'm two master's mm -hmm. degrees in, right? And it was after that, literally the summer after that was when I got approached by the first church to like, come on staff where I'm at now. Um, it's called New Story Chicago, up here in Chicago on the north side. Um, 
little did I know I had a conversation with a pastor that spring because I knew I was moving up to Chicago. I got into the doctoral program, knew I wanted to be a pastor, right? But I was like, I just need to find a church to go to while I'm, you know, trying to discern and figure out where I want to go from here. Um, and we had a conversation in the spring and I didn't know, but when he got off that call, he told his wife and his daughter, that's going to be our church's next pastor. Oh, nice. <laughs> I didn't know that's that, right? Up. Yeah. So, for months, he had been just kind of like behind the scenes, like, yeah, I'm gonna get her on staff. And so I ended up coming on staff in September of last year, of 2021. Nice. Um, so yeah, it was like a long, windy road, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of discernment, a lot of disappointment of just like seeing a lot of closed doors and not really understanding like that God was working behind the scenes, right? Because now I literally have two degrees, two professions that helped me as a pastor. And I'm doing a doctoral program that required both of those degrees these seemingly disparate areas, you know, <clears throat> that I didn't think would go together. And God's like, no, I'm pulling this all together. You just got to trust the process. Like, forget what the world is telling you, mm -hmm. right? If, if you ain't learned something yet in this lifetime, forget what Don't the listen world to is them. telling yeah. you. Um, and then I can even talk about that, my theology around, like, how I come to terms with being comfortable as a queer person mm -hmm. comes with that theology of understanding who I am created in the image of God goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We could talk about that in a minute. That's an aside, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I actually preached on that recently about sexuality and where I find an anchor in the Garden of Eden um, to affirm myself, right? And to affirm queer folk. But yeah, just kind of got into the doctoral program, moved up here, got offered, you know, the pastoral position. But 16 years later, right? Get a calling in 1935. That's yeah. when I become a pastor, right? That's a... Jesus took 30 years to prepare yeah. for years of ministry. If Jesus took 30 years, you know, sometimes you got to trust that the process might not look the way that you expected to. It might take longer. Um, might be a lot of detours, but trust God's prep. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, life is not linear, right? Like it's just right. simply not because I'm sure that in the 19 year old version of yourself, you probably weren't queer either. No. Well, I mean, I was thinking about you were, but you weren't, you know what I mean? Like, and so I think that, you know, there, that, the added complexity that you had to work through, right. To make the, to make the, the, um, the ministry that much sweeter, right. Is, yeah. is that you went through that process. Um, so you, you alluded to it already, but like, talk about your journey of becoming comfortable with your sexuality through all of this, right. Like, um, we also didn't talk about you coming out, um, to, you know, actually having those conversations with your parents. And you know oh, yeah. all the people that you had to talk to, um, <laughs> but uh, talk right. about your journey of uh, becoming comfortable. Yeah, I'm glad I'm out out now because I feel like when people there are still sometimes people who are like, I didn't know you were queer. And I'm like, I've been out. I didn't put this on Facebook years ago. I didn't been in a whole marriage that was. I don't know how people don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and for the record, I, I identify on the bipan spectrum. Um, so I did have that experience of like realizing when I when I was with women or when I was with the first woman that I was with, I had this really interesting experience of like, I like that, but it didn't negate the fact that I was still attracted to men. And so I just kind of like had developed, um, at the time, identified as bisexual. Now I say I'm on the bipan spectrum because that language just wasn't available at the time. Describe, describe. Somebody, Describe that for people who may not know what you by pansexual. So you know, there's bisexuality where it's like mm -hmm. I'm attracted to men and women, and then pansexuality, which I think is much more expansive and kind of opens it up to like um, I'm attracted to people regardless of their gender or gender expression, right? And so I sit somewhere between those two, um, not neatly in either camp. Um, <clears throat> now, when people I know don't understand that language, I'll just tell them I'm bisexual because I don't feel like having that conversation. Right. If I feel right, like right. they understand the language, I'll tell them I'm on the bisexual spectrum. Um, people are really fearful of pansexuality and so yeah. that's a whole other thing there's a lot of bi phobia in the queer community yeah 100%. there's a lot of transphobia in the queer community 100%. um and so I think my my sexuality my even the way like my gender expression doesn't always sit neatly like it makes some people uncomfortable because mm -hmm. they're like are you a stud or a fam yeah like, nope. you like a soft <laughs> you know like a soft <laughs> stud stem type <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I describe myself. I hate boxes. I describe myself as androgynous but femme of center. Um, yes, that's 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 so, that's real. Yeah, so I sit in this androgynous camp. I'm like a gender bender. Like you don't know what you're gonna get from me. One no, time. this is true. You you've always been know. as long as I've known you. You've always kind of been like that too, but always like on a softer side though. Like right, yeah. She, she got on a jersey, but her eyebrows done. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, a little lipstick, you know. <laughs> right, she got a bow tie on and yeah. some lipstick. Look, like, pearl necklace. What are we doing right. right now? What's going on? I'll throw a dress on, some make, I have my face beat, heels. Yeah. I'll go to the club and storm, and the next day be sitting in like joggers and basketball, you know, some Jordans and be chilling, right? But that's the goal. <laughs> that's is that like we can all just do whatever. And it's okay, yeah. you know, and we don't have yeah. to put it in a box or put it in language, but uh, so by pan. Yeah, sitting in the space of like, I'm not gender, I identify as a cisgender woman, but my gender expression is more expansive, I think, than your your typical um, cisgender woman or, you know, a femme or a stud or whatever, a butch or a femme, um, which is, you know, part of my journey to becoming comfortable with my sexuality and my expression, right? So this kind of goes back to my theology. I was I taught about this actually a couple of months ago at a, a local church here called Lighthouse, but I went back to the garden, right? And so what I look at, like when I see the garden of Eden, right? There's these human beings that were created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, <clears throat> created perfectly, right? And then you have this serpent that comes and says like, are you sure you were created? If you eat this, this fruit from this tree that God told you not to, like God really just doesn't want you to, to be like God. So what I see in the Garden of Eden, this first temptation and this first sin is really tempting you to believe that you are other than what God created you to be. And the sin is falling into that and doing the things that will try to um, fulfill that narrative, right? Like, no, you were created perfectly in the image of God. Who you were created to be is who you are. The sin to me is really rejecting that and rejecting that image of God. And so for me, it's like, no, like I became comfortable with myself because I was like, I was created in the image of God. The temptation and the sin is to hear what Christianity has to say or what the world has to say, tempting me to believe otherwise, saying, no, you're dirty. No, you are, you're foul. No, you're a sinner. No, you're fundamentally flawed. No, when we go back to the Garden of Eden, that's the opposite of what happens, right? Because then they said, they go to God, you know, after they eat the apple, they say, you know, oh, we're naked and we're ashamed, right? God said, who told you you were naked? Nakedness was not the problem. It was the mm-hmm. perception of the nakedness that was. Yeah. I'm preaching now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is the pastor me preaching now, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, that's what I think the sin actually was. The temptation was to believe that we were not created in the image of God. And the sin is to try to now take on some other narrative, right? to fundamentally reject who I am. Yeah. That's the sin. Yeah. That's what I see in the garden of the Eden. Yeah. So if I believe that I was created in the image of God, and this is like, I would love for everybody in this podcast to know that like you were created in the image of God and God wants you to be exactly who you are. And the sin is to reject that. Yeah. That's what I would say. So I want to push that a, a little bit and ask you this, right? Because I think that some would argue that if you're transgender, right yeah if God created you perfectly then changing yourself in that way goes against that right yeah. how, how, how does that fall into that space yeah well I would argue I mean to counter that argument I would be like well now we're just talking about one level of identity and existence and being right what you're talking about is a very limited perspective like it's just this physical aspect right or what we would consider like this biological basis so to speak but that's only one aspect of a person right so it's like what if is it possible that God did inherently create something inside of you the deepest part of who you are and now the journey is living in that because there are there's a lot of ways that like what's inside of us and how we feel and like our experience with the world or our externalities don't always match up. Right. And there's a tension and that's a part of being human. And that's a part of life. Like we all experience that, whether it's our gender or not. Um, so I would really look at the core of who a person is. Right. Yeah. That, cause some people would make the same argument about being clear, like, well, yeah. your body was made a certain way to fit with this, with body. this body. And yeah, absolutely. Not- that negates what is going on internally the core identity of a person right so I would argue like getting to the core identity of a person and and I trust the person to know who their core identity is yeah yeah no I love that because it it goes to what I believe which is that those are just one level of who you are right it's it's an important level it's a part that is is critical for most of us it's critical for really everybody I mean how you 
feel comfortable in yourself is very important and it's hard to get to the rest of it sometimes if you're not if you're not comfortable but um I love I mean you put that perfectly just that you know there's other parts of you and just because what you change on yourself doesn't change who you are like I'm you're still who you know if if you're you know a man you change yourself to a woman you're still at the core if you're a good person you're a good person if you're (laughs) you know you're a thief you're a thief if you you know if you you know (laughs) what I'm saying like what what those parts of you are are still there it's just it shows up you know in a different way so I that was that you you put that perfectly um and it's the constructs too right it's mm -hmm. how how we construct femininity masculinity male and female right yes to some extent we can talk about like biology but I'm sure there are biologists that could deconstruct that for us right I've heard biologists deconstruct this for sure Um, a lot of these things are constructs right so is it just is it perhaps that our constructs of what it means to be masculine or feminine male or female actually might be much more queer than we understand this queer term is like not beyond the norm right this queering sense of like understanding these constructs when we start to see it that way then it's like no there might actually not be a discrepancy there with like no I was born this way maybe I'm just teaching you a little bit more about what it means to be masculine or feminine or how these fit outside of the norms that your brain and your systems um of oppression have created this world to fit neatly in a box right I exist outside of that box and that threatens you so yeah. maybe it's really your misunderstanding of it. Yeah, well, and it's also, I mean, we, we ain't got to go here, but it's also <laughs> the denial of intersexuality. We don't I mean, you know, we don't even talk about that. Like no one talks yeah. about the fact that, you know, I think it was like one in, one, in, one in every thousand people are intersex, born intersex, you know? And so I think we'll, if, we, if we bring that into the equation, then our gender construct is really screwed up because where do they fit? yeah nowhere which is why we don't talk about it because it doesn't it makes people uncomfortable (laughs) you know it's too confusing to add that in right and so you know it's it's very complicated and very um you know loaded and so um that's why we're here to to help some some people um last question and then we're gonna play a game okay is you know it for a person who's out there just kind of going through their own process and and you know, they're battling with all the things that they were taught growing up and now they're forming their own identity, going through their own queer journey. Um, give them, you know, whether it be a scripture, just a word of encouragement um, or, a, you know, a place that they can go, you know, whether it be the Bible or, or some sort of devotion to kind of help get, you know, grounded in that. Yeah, I mean, I think it would still go back to like what I was preaching on. And if you if y'all want to um, look up Lighthouse um, Church, uh, United Church of Christ in Chicago, I think it was like September last month of, or last week of September, um, I taught on this and that could actually be like, it was a message literally speaking to this. And I do feel like it was restorative, right? Because I go through, I break down like scripture and I talk about the Garden of Eden. But yeah, just like really wanting to encourage people that like, if you don't hear it from anyone else, like you were created in the image of God, like God loves you at the core, like at the start of scripture, like God creates human beings in God's image. And God says, this is like great. And this is perfect. And this is beautiful. And at the core of who we are, like we were not fundamentally created, broken, sinful. I don't believe in that theology. Like God creates with perfection in mind. God creates with God's self in mind. Right um like you are fundamentally loved by God um there is nothing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of God right going back to some of these deeper biblical truths right not the what is the the spirit of the law right like God loves creation God created and God would never like hate God's own creation so I would tell people encourage them like go back to the fundamentals what do you honestly believe about God one thing about my journey was like the the place where I really hit a point I came to a head was I had what the church was telling me what I believed about God and then I had personal experience and those three were colliding so what I determined was my experience was not a lie what I believed about God was not a lie the problem that I had to fix was or address was what the, the world was telling me the world that, you know, this narrative that the world had created. And for me, it was in charismatic evangelicalism. Um, So go back to the core, go back to the fundamentals. Do I believe that God loves me? Do I believe that I was created in the image of God? 
Um, do I believe that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God? Scripture says that, right? <clears throat> That's where you start to unpack that and rest, at least in that space. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Cool, man. Well, thank you for that. Hope y'all yeah. Okay. Now we're going to play a little game. On these. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to play a game of this or that. Okay. I'm going to let you go. Oh, God. <laughs> this or that. Sports bra or underwire bra? Oh, I don't like sport. Well, I wear both, but I wear bras that don't have a wire in it. So like a regular bra, but no wire. So it's kind of okay. like a mix. Yeah, I got you. Laundry or cooking? Cooking. <clears throat> I can day at the, the yeah, day at the spa or watching sports all day? Oh, can I do like half and half? Ah, that would be a hard one. I do like sports, but if I had to choose, I'll go with Dave Spa. Short hair or long hair? I like short hair on me, but I do like oh, long hair, hair on, on oh, the shorties. Yeah. All the ones that I'm attracted to typically have like long, long hair. Long hair, baby. Don't yeah. cut that hair. Lipstick or lip gloss? Uh, I like both. <clears throat> um, I wear lip gloss more than I wear lipstick. I have both on right now. Sports car or big truck? I would have a sports car. Big wedding or small ceremony? Small ceremony. <laughs> These weddings cost too damn much. Man, what? Stay up late or sleep in? Sleep in. Oh, either or? Like, sleep in. Iron or redry it? <laughs> I'll be throwing that shit in the dryer. Oh my God. <laughs> if I can, I'll throw it in the dryer. I don't Jeez. mind ironing, but I'll throw it in the dryer if I can. Lord, pay or have her pay? I typically pay a lot and it throws people off. New shoes or new clothes? I do like new clothes. That's a good fit. Pillow princess or I'm on top? I, I'm a switch and a verse. I can't pick. Equal opportunity over here, listen, y'all. Listen, if that's not your life, do not come at me because I'm going to do some e shit you don't like. E-E-O over here, y'all. I am completely, I am very switch verse. So uh, neither. I can't. Yeah. Love it. Neither or both. <laughs> both. Yeah, I can't. Well, I would say I pre prefer to be on top of princess yeah yeah i love it well thank you so much for, for indulging <laughs> where can the people find you <laughs> where can they find me on instagram so my handle is adventure altruist it's a spin on venture capitalists um whereas venture capitalists are like you know i'm gonna capitalize off what you have i'm like i'm gonna take what i have and try to just better the world from an altruistic perspective so that's my handle um and new story chicago you can find us that's a church that i co-pastor um on facebook instagram youtube we live stream our services on facebook and uh youtube um yeah we meet up here on the north side for people who are in chicago if you want to come check us out we are currently meeting at a church called edgewater presbyterian but in february we're going to be moving to granville united methodist at 11 30. so you can find me in chicago on the north side at granville umc um or on on instagram you can add me on facebook but i'll be on instagram more yeah man well thank you so much tosh for coming through the homie y'all yeah. that's the homie y'all yeah. go check her out um really really appreciate you coming on and sharing um and y'all already know man it's another episode of the queerly black show i'm your host ashley i'll catch y'all on the next one peace